We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are back now on Wednesday, June 7th. Took a little bit of time away, as you guys know. Went on a little vacation, wasn't around as much as I usually am, and didn't get a chance to record yesterday. So we're back. Uh, Mini campus kicked off for your Cleveland Browns. It has been a whirlwind of uh, a day of clips and, and um, you know notes from practice and some really... You know, some interesting quotes about how effective Deshaun Watson was and what he's looking like uh, through the offseason here and what he did yesterday specifically uh, at the first day of minicamp that impressed so many people on site and especially some people that have been around, you know, Brown's practices for a significant amount of time covering them. I think it's certainly noteworthy. So we're going to have more on that throughout the week. We're going to pay attention to minicamp as best as we possibly can. So we'll cover it from every angle. Now, that means this week we're going to have some other guests. We'll get with Andrew Spade. Uh, we'll do some different things. I want to replay last night's show that I did on Twitch with Brad Ward, and we specifically cover a lot of these topics, uh, including some stuff over the weekend that I missed, or uh, Monday, too, as well. So thanks for stopping by, guys, and appreciate you checking out this episode. Let's get over to that interview now with Brad Ward. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Before we get into anything, you know, I, I've got a couple things I want to hit, lots of stuff to talk about on the show. We'll get some of your some of your questions, all that. Let's bring in my amazing guest, the great and always astute Jake Burns. What up, Jake? What's going on? How are we? I'm okay. You're not fired up enough for me. Let's go. <laughs> what a day, man! Deshaun Watson was hotter than fish grease today. That's what, yeah. all, by all accounts, that's what we're hearing. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear the opposite, right? No, that's, you don't. That's uh, you know, you're not winning games and jerseys and shorts, but you certainly don't want to hear that he's not playing well. So yeah, you will you will gladly welcome some stories of him playing really well today, and I think yeah. that's a continuation of a. Of a trend that we have have heard about recently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I did want to mention that if you go over to the OBR right now, uh, you can get 60% off on subscriptions right now because of uh, Minicamp. Minicamp special. Go over to the OBR, 60% off. Uh, Thank you all. The best chat in the land for as you're piling in here uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, And... uh, you know, I think it's okay. Like, I was trying to reserve my excitement today, but I've just gotten overwhelmed with all the clips and the videos. And I, you know, we tell ourselves we're not going to do it, but I' very excited to see a lot of the stuff that we saw today, Jake. It was encouraging stuff, and I know it's on air and it's just mini camp, but uh, that's all we have right now. And it was, it was pretty, pretty. Uh, I mean, it, it just seemed like an electric atmosphere, uh, from what I could tell. Um, it seemed like a little different of an atmosphere. It seemed more upbeat, and uh, I guess they went nine to ten in red zone, you know, area. If you read, uh, if you go to the OBR and read Fred Greetham's article on uh, minicamp, and uh, there's video after video of uh, you know 
them throwing touchdowns to Donovan Peoples-Jones in the back of the end zone. And then, uh, of course, uh, Elijah Moore with a couple catches and uh, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, a, a good start to minicamp from by all accounts and uh that's exciting i think um you know what about the uh, defense brad getting toward what about the defense you tell me (laughs) i you know that's the thing you always like you always think about a little bit where the offense won the day they're crushing it deshaun is etc etc um (laughs) i don't know i i mean they're they're the one that side of the football is the one that is completely under change right that's the side yeah. that is getting a, a completely new philosophy, uh, all of it. But you want, you know, what you want is both sides of the football to win certain days, right? Like that's that's yeah. the ideal goal here. But I think <laughs> if we could weigh this out based on what we would prefer to hear, based on what we think the Browns need to have to win next year, I think everybody would uh, gladly welcome as many – reports of Deshaun Watson shredding as possible. So um, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. I mean, that's what that's what matters. I mean, like to Schwartz's comments the other day, I mean, physicality, they can't really do any of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Skelly set up to win. The offense is set up to win a lot of the shirts and shorts drills, man. Just yeah. So really, I mean, your best, the only thing you can really evaluate, I guess, is, you know, how crisp does Deshaun look? And, and by all accounts, he looked really good today. And mm-hmm. yeah, so um, Greg makes a good point. Another thing that we heard a lot of today, uh, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Elijah Moore lining up everywhere, inside, outside, and in the backfield a lot, Jake. Uh, that's encouraging, right? What What do you think uh, uh, of that uh, line alignment? And is this more of what we can expect with the new offense? Yeah, that's not uncommon for Kevin. Back when they had Jarvis, they would do a little bit of that, right? And mm-hmm. especially third and predictable pass situations when they knew they wanted to get somebody out of the backfield. So, um, yeah, I mean, encouraging in a lot of ways. Encouraging because you want them to be creative, right? Encouraging because you uh, want them to create matchup situations, favorable matchups as often as possible. That's another way to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean – this time last year we saw some things we really liked, right? We saw like some, some pistol stuff with two back and all that. And I think that they were just largely planting seeds for what would come in the future. Right. Yeah. Which is what we're seeing now. So I don't think this is a mirage. Like we saw stuff last year and then we get to the regular season <laughs> and it's just not, what we expect largely because the quarterback will remain consistent. Right. So yeah, that's a huge part of it. But yeah, I think that we should be taking a lot of stock into the creative uh, angles that we're seeing them put together in OTAs, whether that's alignment, versatility, player movement, right? Like saw a look with Donovan Peoples-Jones in the slot, David Bell out wide, and a 12 personnel look with with uh, Cooper on the backside playing X. So they're, they're getting a bunch of guys used to playing different roles. And I think for them to have – what I think they're doing right now, Brad, is I, I largely think they're looking at can we answer the backup running back position in-house, okay? They're, okay. they're looking at that in a way of – Obviously, Demetric Felton going back to full-time running back, uh, giving him an opportunity to be that pass-down guy. Uh, Jerome Ford will get plenty of his own opportunities. But Elijah Moore just is another wrinkle, right? Another wrinkle that answers the issue if they think that there's an issue. They're not going to play Elijah Moore some wide variety of snaps in the backfield. Like, that's just not going to happen. But if there are some some uh, advantages to be had, 
that they think on a week-to-week basis can help, then, yeah, it makes a ton of sense to have a guy like Moore matched up with a linebacker as often as you possibly can. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like the stuff they're doing. I like what we're seeing. There's no reason to be – I haven't seen anything that makes me say, okay, let's hit the pause button here. Uh, that doesn't seem like something they're going to be doing into the regular season on the offense. It feels like they are totally flirting with a whole bunch of different things and trying to find the right formula to make Deshaun as comfortable as possible. And we're in the midst of watching Deshaun get pretty comfortable, and that seems like it's translating into some pretty good performance. Yeah, I mean, he threw some he threw some seeds, some darts today. He looked mm-hmm. good. He looked comfortable. Uh, as and as you know, as much as you can take away from that, that's a good sign. Um. I was going to ask you, as far as that running back position goes, um, you think they want to know by Thursday, like end of day Thursday, mini camp, I kind of feel like they want to know if they have their guy in house or not. Because then you have that period, right? Like if, if, if we don't have the answer here, you know, now we have six weeks where we can get, bring a veteran in if we really need to. Possibly. I mean, they would think, but it doesn't, it seems like you can still bring some of these guys in during camp. Like if you go in and actually put them in pads and some of that stuff. So I don't think it's a running back is not a a super challenging mental position. Put it that way. You're lined up in almost the exact spot every time. Uh, Now there's some elements to stuff you need to know, but it's not like you have to add in the wrinkle of alignment learning and stuff like that. So I don't think it's necessarily a deadline, but I do think that there's, essentially what I would call some open auditioning going on. And if they leave mini camp before this prolonged break, they leave it thinking either these guys are not mentally able to handle it. It's tough to know whether truly physically they are, but if they just don't leave it feeling confident, I do expect them to entertain a running back in, in free agency or some sort of maybe cut market. Cause that's also a place that they could go get one is, is uh you know, after some cuts start to happen. I know that, I don't think cuts have to happen until one giant cut this year, right at the end of the preseason. Yep. So there's not a trickle effect, but uh, there is the opportunity to always get a talented running back. Look at some situations that have a lot of running backs, right? Like we're talking about Dalvin cook, possibly being let go by Minnesota talking about him potentially landing in like Miami as a team that would be interested in him. Well, I mean, Miami has a plethora of backs. They got yeah. Ron H they drafted Mostert. Uh, Matt Breida, like some of these teams are going to have too many backs and they're going to end up moving on from somebody that the Browns will be interested in. I would guarantee that. But again, Brad, they want to solve it. They want to use their fourth round pick from this past year uh, as their backup running back. They want to use the sixth round pick from two years ago as the receiving back. Like That is the draft's solution. They are trying to hit that answer. Yeah, hundred percent. It makes total sense. And you know, when Quincy was on, he made this point like, Really, they don't have to panic about running back because you can always guy, grab a guy off the street if you have to, right? Like, mm-hmm. to your point, it's not it's totally mental. So I get that. I just kind of thought maybe this, that with the six weeks off, maybe they wanted to know going into that break. It's a possibility. Um, there is, um, to your point about the cuts, cut down, um, one cut this year, rule change, Every you know you don't have to cut anybody until the Tuesday after the last preseason game. So, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think that's right, or the Monday after one of those days, right after the last preseason game, you cut down to your you know your fifty three and fill out your practice squad. However, that you know in in the uh, appropriate order, right? So, um, 
but you got to figure they're going to cut guys along the way, right? Like they don't want to carry 90 guys in camp till, till, Oh, you know, a couple days at, uh, into week one. Right. Uh, you, you feel like, you know, especially veterans, like if you're going to cut a veteran or something that has a chance to catch on someplace else, do you do him a favor and let him go a couple weeks early or is that not doing him a favor? That's a good question. I, I really don't know that we know the answer, Brad, because this is the first time we've seen anything like this where yeah. they're not forcing teams to cut people. So I think to your point, I, I don't know as you get toward the third preseason game, if there's any benefit to having 90 guys on your roster and wanting to like yeah. solve some playing time equations in the third preseason game or the second one, which is maybe the more of the, the audition, right? The, the, not the audition, but the, the dress rehearsal, they call it. Yeah. So I don't really know. I I'm going to be interested to see if teams just, sort of naturally follow what they've always done. I think they'll still naturally cut some guys, but it won't be it won't be really drastic and it creates an advantage for them to be able to look prolong the looking process at some of the guys that they really wanted to keep around for another game or two. So uh, my hunch is it'll be different, but not as drastically different as we think in terms of them sitting with 90 guys heading into that final preseason game. I just don't think that's going to be realistic because you're trying to get your guys ready to go for week one, right? So uh, I think you will see less guys cut than last year in certain intervals through the preseason, but I don't think you will see uh, just teams, everybody holding 90 guys. Like they're going to start making that process happen earlier. Uh, and and I will. I think the thing we have to pay most attention to, Brad, is, is how are, – are th- this is a sort of new endeavor, right? So are her teams able to carve out some sort of advantage from that? Like, is there some way either hanging on to your guys allows you to do something with them? Or is there some way that some early moves and some early claims allow you to be in that mix maybe before other teams are? So I just would be interested to see sort of what comes of it from, a oh, this team found some advantages here or whatever. Or if if there's a team that does something completely different than everybody else does in those uh, in those, you know, whatever, I'm not sure what they'd be called moments, but instances where traditionally you would see those go down a little bit, you know, the rosters go down or you think that they're going to stay steady and they move. So that's, again, I, I always just really enjoy when you get some new rules and how teams manage the new rules. I think that's one, uh, one thing to consider when we watch that process play out. Yeah. And then whatever tends to work, will get copied by everybody next year. So mm-hmm. uh, that is for certain to happen. So uh, mini camp, once again, go over to the OBR, 60% off uh, subscription right now. Minicamp special. Fun day. Uh, seemed like good energy. Deshaun looked sharp. Wide receivers looked great. Uh, all that is there to uh, delve into. I, I will get to your questions in the chat here momentarily. I want to hit on a couple things going on uh, all over the place here. Um I wanted to ask you, you wrote about this uh about Denzel Ward in the slot. Mm-hmm. So, um, what what's your angle with this? Do you like Schwartz's decision to do this? Uh, I think the natural concern is, like, for me, is immediately I think of his concussion record, right? And, like, is he going to have to play the run more in there? And anything that puts him in a position where he's taking more, any kind of physical contact, I feel like is kind of a risk with him. Um, but where do you come out on that? I think Denzel's gotten a little better with how to tackle without risking 
Okay. Massive injury. Now, I think some of it can be unavoidable playing inside. I really don't know how they're going to handle it. It seems like there is a desire to have Denzel playing a decent amount of volume inside. Now, he played something like 63 his rookie year and 61 uh, snaps uh, his second year and as, as a true slot corner, but that's not very many. And he's only played 24 over the last three years. So he has not played in the slot anywhere near, I think, the amount that people think he has, Brad. So um, it's going to be a pretty big transition. They have him playing inside a lot right now. Now, largely to me, they're doing that because they think it's a way to get him ready to do that. So they're taking advantage of these opportunities. I haven't seen many snaps where I've noticed Greg playing inside. So it seems like Denzel's playing in there a lot. I have not seen a ton of promising snaps in there either. Like he doesn't look all too comfortable yet. So we'll see how that shakes out. I'm not, I'm not sure. I I really don't know what they're going to do because they have some safeties who can do it uh, in terms of, you know, McLeod. And obviously I think you can bring Grant uh, Delpit down a little bit too. And Thornhill and that moving two safety moving uh, system that they used in Kansas city has some experience there himself, but I I mean I real I really don't know I think I think it's probably going to be predicated by pass down rundown tendencies where they put those guys because you know although Denzel's gotten better at tackling like I'm saying here he's gotten he's gotten much better at being able to handle uh, some of the physicality of the position we saw early in his career the concussions were starting to really make you nervous um, but he's gotten better at I don't know how to, the correct way to phrase it keep his body out of it time things up a little bit better do more of the ankle grabbing tackling still being effective at it. So I think he can, I think he can certainly cover. He's twitchy enough. There's a bit of a stigma around that position. I kind of mentioned that in that article too, that it does seem like most guys who are, you know, of the elite tier of corners don't necessarily want to play inside, but Jalen Ramsey seems to be one of the ones who is uh, breaking that Ramsey's had up over 200 and 300 the last two years. So as the slot continues to be more and more a place that teams are taking advantage of uh, a positional, um, you know, mismatches. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see bigger name corners playing more inside, but I, I am fascinated by how much of Greg, how much of Denzel, how much of McLeod, how much of uh, a lot of different faces we are going to see playing inside because they're talking about that, but I haven't seen from a first team perspective, a ton of different faces playing in there. But again, it's just mini camp where you're using this time as an opportunity to get guys exposure to some, elements of uh of the scheme that they maybe have not been used to in 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 recent years so not surprised by it but uh denzel has not looked all too uh all too effective in there so far uh, just hmm. some clips now we don't see every single clip so i don't want to say that he's not been able to do it but there's just been a few that i noted in that article that have left me like okay he's kind of getting picked on there so we'll see if it ends up turning around uh for him and getting better but uh, I think that's going to present. I just my my general thought is it's going to present a challenge for him. So we'll see how he arrives uh, at that challenge. The slot position for the Cleveland Browns could be a soap opera. Um, right as the as the nickel turns uh, <laughs> on uh, CBS two thirty daytime TV. You know, it's just uh, you know Greg wants out now. Denzel's in there. Neither guy seems like your typical nickel cornerback. Neither of them are particularly scrappy in the run game, although you may you do make a good point about Denzel. I mean, neither of them are bad tacklers, right? They're just not like uber-physical guys that you typically find in that role. 
That's fair. No, they're not thumpers. They are not guys like I think Troy Hill was pretty good at it a couple of yeah. years back. Troy didn't cover very well in his year here, but I thought he was a really nice run fit player. But you don't need to be a guy who's squaring up 220 pound running backs. You can do it in a way that still gives you a chance to avoid injury. And I think that's going to be pretty paramount for Denzel and Greg playing in there to still fill the role, still do the things you're supposed to do, but not put yourself in a position to get seriously hurt. And I think that that's always a balancing act. So how Schwartz just kind of sort of navigates those bodies in there will be obviously a huge and a fascinating uh, part of things early on in the process. Uh, Bradley Bruns uh, in the chat here with a couple questions. Um, would you like to see more depth at defensive tackle and linebacker? Um, we've kind of talked about that we would like to see maybe one more guy at defensive tackle. Um, but I think a lot of that depends on what happens with D hop, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, would you prefer they just take that money and get a defensive tackle and just forget D hop or are you in on D hop? Uh, that's a, pretty important question these days huh i i don't yeah <laughs> i mean i is. would prefer a better defensive tackle but i don't i guess i don't really know like what the financials are you know we're saying it's either or it, it it could be you know both i don't i don't know is there a massive gap between what a shelby harris or ionitis wants versus what say hopkins wants i i don't really know if i were to pick like which one i think i'd prefer i would very much prefer a better defensive tackle situation uh, any day of the week here um, because it's, I just think it's a complete disaster. Uh, at yeah. defensive t- okay, let me say that. I need to rephrase. It's not a complete disaster. It has a chance to be a depth disaster there. Let me put it okay. that way. I would like to see them add somebody else there. Yeah, uh, I would too. Um, <clears throat> the situation or the update with Hopkins is, you know, He's made it pretty clear he wants the Odell Beckham contract. Now, listen, the Odell Beckham contract was given in a manner, how do I say this, not so much for his ability on the football field. There were other factors at play, right? Like they needed to sign him for his ability or potential ability on the football field because he didn't play a snap last year, but also – to solve the Lamar problem. So giving him $15 million and setting that as the target for Hopkins is kind of throwing this whole thing for a loop because he can now claim, hey, he got he got 15 I should get 15 right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's any chance in hell he gets 15 personally. Um, but uh, some teams have kind of taken themselves out of this situation. So, you know, in the past 24, 48 hours, we see the Jets kind of bowing out, the Titans uh, saying they're pretty much out, Cowboys out, Detroit out, and the Jags out. You're still looking at Kansas City, Buffalo, Detroit, the Browns, and, you know, today the, all the headlines were around the New England Patriots uh, being in on Hopkins. Um, any thoughts on, like, I, I tend to think, Jake, the longer this goes and the more he realizes that that market isn't going to materialize at $15 million, the better chance the Browns have. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you could say, make that same case for Kansas City and, say, Buffalo. Although I do think, like, this is going to be some real 
real speculation out here. So <laughs> reckless, reckless speculation by myself here. So don't take this any of this fact. I do think if there's a middling number, like around eight, nine, ten million, where maybe Buffalo doesn't want to go or Kansas City doesn't want to go, but the Browns will meet them halfway on the money there. That would be like a range where I think that they could win. Thoughts on that? It's I just don't know how how desperate they are for him. I feel like if they can get a deal, like they think he really wants to come here. Uh, I, but again, I don't know, man. And I don't think this is going to get settled anytime soon. I really yeah. don't. I, I think we're going to be lingering far into uh, far into the off season with this and these this this the uh, you know dry period that's coming over the next two months or what it's a month and a half i think it is i don't think we're going to get an answer i think you might drag it out a bit i you, listen if you sign him you have to make serious decisions at wide receiver the number of wide receivers you have and the roles by which they play right um there are other teams where he's simply a fit right in new england yeah. kansas city buffalo there doesn't have to be a ton of movement i think here there's going to have to be some movement there's going to have to be some role adjusting can you do it yes um you can it's a matter though like i said of how badly do they want him how badly does he want to be here? And is there a willingness to not be a guy fed 140 targets as a part of his contract? So, again, it's he, he the Browns could use DeAndre Hopkins, the role player. I think that that's what they they need him to be a piece of the puzzle. They don't need him to be the cog that turns everything. So, again, it's like, where does that mesh with where the Browns are? And where does that mesh with the money that DeAndre Hopkins wants? Because you're not paying him to be a cog. You're paying him to be a piece of the puzzle. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Because he walks into Kansas City and he's their number one, you know. Uh, So that's different. And they give him a chance, you know, to win a Super Bowl. But I don't see them spending ten million or eight, eight, nine million dollars a year on him either. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's there's the teams that are in play. Maybe New England will pay him more. Uh, I know the Browns have some extra money now. Uh, so, you know, you go back to that question of, you know, how desperate are they? They don't. They shouldn't be desperate for him personally, Jake. I don't think they should be desperate for him. Like, I think, like, we talked about this on a different show, but, like, what's the difference between, like, how much does he move the the uh the needle on wide receiver compared to donovan people's jones and how much does ionitis or shelby harris move the needle compared to player x that's going to fill that role i think if you can answer yeah. that question that's your answer right yeah i think so that's a i mean it's a bigger jump the talent of jordan elliott versus a uh, you know, the talent of somebody who could be an effective player inside, right? I think there's a bigger jump there. But, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins still brings a level of, of uh, I hate the word swagger, but he does. He brings confidence and he brings that element to the position. Uh, so, like I said, I'm not going to get, and I'm not saying this is what you're doing, I'm not going to get all worked up into what's the better solution. I want to see what they do. Um, who knows? Maybe the uh, defensive tackle they think is – solved and we'll question that decision later but like um you you know if they do decide to sign hopkins i think that they deserve some benefit of the doubt of making that position work right i think that uh 
I do think that they can make it work. I think they can find a way to go through it. And I and I don't think Hopkins is some gigantic upgrade per se as your as to your question. Yeah. About uh, like is he some giant upgrade to DPJ? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but he does you know, you don't produce like he's produced without understanding. He does some things really well. He has a great feel for zone coverage in terms of where to be and when to be there. He has a really nice ability still to go get the football high pointed. He is a red zone savant. He can get open down there effectively. And he's like, he is like, like Jar, like the best version of Jarvis Landry. He's that player right now, but a bigger body and can go jump up and get the football. Yeah. If that makes sense. He's still faster. He's still twitchier. He's about as twitchy as Jarvis. He can go up and get the football and he can align all over the football field. And he's really smart. And just like Jarvis, he brings a lot of bravado with him. So uh, I would not, I understand why they wouldn't, wouldn't do it. I really do understand both sides of it. So uh, I don't know if I'm kind of just, just talking at this point, but I think that, that like, I prefer a defensive tackle upgrade at the three tech. That's just what I would prefer, but yeah, uh, we'll see if they agree with that. And we'll also see if there's even an opportunity there that presents itself to do that. Who knows if, if they're not uh, either throwing enough money or throwing enough at, you know, these other positions, uh, these guys at defensive tackle that makes them interested. Or if some guys are just not interested in coming to Cleveland, you never know. There could be Shelby Harris and Ioannidis are just like, yeah, we're no, we're not, we're not interested in coming there. It's no thanks. It could be that, that could happen to a lot of teams around the league. So you never know. Yeah. Um, couple comments here. Uh, Bradley says, personally, I think Hopkins would struggle in this division with the amount of press man AFC North teams play. Um, it's a good comment. Um, I, I, think that, I think that's overblown. The man-to-man stuff is overblown. I know there's some data that people have yeah. put out there recently, but the way the Cardinals structured their route tree, uh, I'm just telling you, not many guys are going to have a ton of success with how the football had to come out of Kyler Murray's hand. And the time, the thing you have to understand with man-to-man beating man-to-man coverage is it typically takes a little bit longer. And when you have a guy like Kyler, who's the offense with Cliff Kingsbury, who's designed to get the football out of his hands as quickly as possible, um, sort of similar to a lot of the way college football structures or stuff. And a guy like Kyler, who's not always the most hang in the pocket, allow you to make a double move to get away from somebody or create separation. And you got to be careful reading all the way in on those numbers for man to man with Hopkins. I'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's something to keep monitoring uh, that. And, you know, let me, I'll ask you this in a simpler form. Do you think they make w- at least one move? Yeah, before one. I yeah. would hope. I, I mean, I would yeah. really hope they make one more personnel move. I think that that that's sitting there for them. Agreed. Uh, let's talk about betting. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland on day eight, glorious Tuesday night as mini camp kicks off. So Isaiah uh, Rogers, Colts player, uh, n- another player to get in trouble with the betting uh, coaches now getting in trouble as uh, Miles. What's his name? Um, what are we talking about? The coach, uh, Miles, ex-player, played for the Browns, wide receiver, Miles. Oh, man. I'm struggling he's a coach. with it. He's a coach now. Anyways, he got in trouble for uh, – he played for the Browns, for came over from Dallas, wide receiver. Oh, Miles My- Austin. Miles Austin, I believe, uh, got – lost his job for the gambling, uh, among other people. But this Rodgers case is, is – 
really serious. So uh, they're investigating him for quote-unquote pervasive wagering uh, where he was uh, purposely using someone else's name, right, on the account uh, and placing hundreds of bets, uh, and some were placed on the Colts, Jake, his team. Oh, so, boy. yeah, he is looking at potential, uh, probably a lifetime ban if they can uh, nail this down. But, like, you know, the point is he thought he was tricking the system, but the, the phone does you in, right? Like, they can ping your phone. The ping, you know, bets are coming from inside yeah. the Colts building on the Colts. You're done. I don't you're done understand for. if you really want to do this and if you really, really want to be able <laughs> Have your buddy do it. Like, I don't really understand how hard this is to, like, have a guy who can do it for you. Uh, I, I think this has been happening for a long time, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I really don't understand why you could think that you could cheat the system in any way with this stuff and not uh, not just have a buddy who can, who can take care of it for you. But again, this, uh, listen, he was not the first. He won't be the last, but it does suck because... He's very talented. He's a really nice nickel corner for them. So that yeah. is, um, I think the NFL has their first precedence setting scenario here, right? They've done and dealt with the year suspension for betting on other teams, but other sports, <laughs> yeah, and other sports. But boy, you're getting into dangerous Pete Rose like waters here when you're letting someone bet on their own team. So we know what baseball has dealt in those scenarios. Um, we will see how football handles it. It it seems like an at minimum multi year thing. Yeah. Now, of course, there is a digital trail, so they will find out whether he, you know, actually did the the cardinal sin of betting against his own team. But there are some plays already brought up that are pretty questionable. Where you look at the end of the game and he's you know making a, a a blown coverage play that affects the result of the game and now people are going to try to match that up with the digital trail and you're looking at uh, uh you know the cardinal sin of all sins there for a football player now i'm not saying he did or didn't but there are you know he could have just made a bad play it happens all the time i mean the browns you know did it left and right last year, and they weren't, you know, betting on. Hopefully, we're not betting on those games, uh, the Jets game or anything. But uh, if for somehow, you know, there is a digital trail out there, and it will be exposed. And, and I hope that Jake they they make it public. I I don't know if they will, but I hope they make it public, like what the what their findings are. But it's a really interesting case. It is, and and now that you said the um. Uh... Uh, information by Isaiah Rodgers. I'm really interested in these plays, so I'm going to have to find them when we get out of here. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw a couple of them, and they they're a little iffy, and it makes you wonder, like you know. So uh, I don't know. It, they'll they'll find out though. Uh, I would like to think that you know a, a guy wouldn't do that, but uh, I mean, you're making enough money. I mean, to have to go on. I don't know. I don't know. People do I, weird you know, stuff. Yeah. Right. You would think that they make enough money, but you know, you see another way to make more money and maybe that it's uh like I said, he's not the first, he won't be the last. So, you know, the thing is different now more than ever is like you said earlier, the digital trail, man. There's a cleaner way of catching you if you are doing it on your own. 
Like you can't, again, it's as simple. It's, it's really like saying the same thing we say about drunk driving, just hire someone to drive you. Right. (laughs) Right. Like it's the same thing here of like, yeah. Hey, just have a friend who puts the bets in for you and it's all in their name. Like it never is an issue, but whatever it's, uh, so, so this has been, this isn't new to the NFL, right? Like, so this has been going back to, so Chris Sims was talking about this today. It was very interesting. He said that when he was a kid, he remembers going into the, so I don't know what year we're talking about when Phil Sims played, right? Going into the Giants locker room and they hit a huge board out in front of the locker room that talked about gambling like do not you know da, 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 something like not gambling on stuff and uh now here we are today with phones smartphones yeah. and, it's, and it's still an issue it's crazy though like and he's also was saying like it's not like even before there was smartphones and it was access in the palm of your hand coaches people in the organization the nfl itself was constantly talking to players about this even before the cell phone was something right yeah. like or before betting was like this so it's pretty crazy uh that it's cut come to this level and to your point you know there's got to be a smarter way to work around it i mean but if you're if you're in the building and betting no matter whose name it's under they're going to catch you obviously uh so it's an interesting case it's something to keep an eye on it's kind of a pan, uh, a, a, a bigger issue here in the NFL is guys are coming down left and right, coaches now too, right? So maybe the NFL needs to shore up the actual rules with this, do you think? Like, you think they would have been clear enough about it, but like, if a guy's betting on the NBA, is it really that big of a, of a harm? I mean, can we just say like not in the building or like where where's the line drawn? Yeah. I wonder if that's like an issue with these guys. You think they would have made it clear? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel uh, like most of those online gambling sites force you to put in like either there's some sort of very serious track, whether you put in your social security number or there's another thing you, yes. you like. So yeah. I feel like the NFL or whatever, like, hey, you're going to get caught like you should. You're not if you're an active NFL member. You cannot bet on any professional athletics, period. That should just be it. Like if that's what like if you leave gray area of hey, you can bet on these teams, uh, you know, these sports outside of the building or but guys are gonna screw that up, man. Like they're just gonna screw it up. And I feel yeah. like if you wanted to just put a stop to it, just don't let them sign up for these things. All right. Or if it does, tell them like, hey, if you sign up for this, it is gonna trigger a notification to the NFL. Like, I think the thing that guys think is like, I can get away with it. Like they, they, they yeah. clearly think they can get away with it. They, so, they obviously do. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that they, they, I saw something out there today, an article on, um, you know, uh, somebody interviewing some, some, um, anonymous players. And there was some confusion about the rules and like, so clearly, yeah, and I understand not, they, they could have very well outlined all of this information for these guys, but, they still don't get it. It's it's like if you talk to the NFL, they're like, well, hey, we've told them this many times. Guys just gloss over it. But it does seem like there's some misunderstanding in what's actually allowed. And I think that's where we see some guys like, I'm not betting on the NFL. Well, you can't bet on any sport. Well, you said we could. Well, you can't do it inside the building. You know, it's just like, oh, gosh, yeah. bunch of gray area. 
Yeah, that that's what needs to be shored up. And and I'm sure you know, knowing the NFL, I'm I'm sure it's written in very lawyerly language. You know what I mean? So uh, in whatever way they do it, so they need to make it simple: black, white. Here's what you can't do. Here's what you can do. And probably if you're an NFL player, you should just not gamble. Uh, but just just a thought. Um, the Browns, this this stuff is pretty wild here, Jake. Uh, two Browns players robbed at gunpoint by six masked men. Uh, when Was this last night, two nights ago? I don't Either really way. know. It seems it, like it's happened over the course of the last few nights, but I haven't looked into the details. I haven't been so, uh, paying close attention to it, but it, it's um, it's obviously not good, man. Yeah, according to a police report obtained by ESPN, Greg Newsom and Perrion Winfrey were got robbed at gunpoint by six masked men um, at, it was like 3.30 in the morning. Uh, were they in their they were, house when this happened? No, they came out of the nightclub and went into, I believe, a parking deck uh, where they were met by these men. Huh. Um here it is. The incident occurred after Newsom and Winfrey left a Cleveland nightclub early Monday morning. Yes, yeah, so, Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, Some Sunday night clubbing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Newsom's vehicle was in a nearby parking lot. That's where six men, all wearing masks, jumped out of their own car, robbed them at gunpoint. The robbers made out with uh, jewelry... Uh, while Newsom's truck was stolen, and this was around 3.30 a.m., uh, Newsom tweeted, it's a cruel world we live in. Yes, it is, Greg. It is. I um, This is going to be a stupid statement, perhaps, no, but I'm willing I, to make it. Yeah. I feel like the risk-reward of stealing things from people these days is very... Uh, is is tilting way further than it's ever first of all most people and i know those guys are just leaving a a club so they maybe had some cash but you're not going to have much cash anymore compared to what you did before right like it feels like cash was king now it's pretty clear that people just carry debit cards right it's probably putting a herd into the uh, panhandle games uh that are out there but like you know there's been many times where i've wanted to give to somebody but i'm like all i have is a debit card you know so anyway like I just feel I just feel like good point. Like the risk reward, like that truck, they're gonna find it. They're gonna they're gonna be able to track automobiles better than they've ever tracked them before. Like I don't really think that stealing automobiles is quite as um you can get away with it as especially newer ones. The most new ones, they were tracking cars 15 years ago. Now they're new. What are they doing? You know, now they can geolocate things probably. Um, yeah. So what are you getting away with some jewelry? You know, those I would yep. imagine that those guys have that insured based on what they spend on it. Uh, it just is like, what are, you, what are you, what are you getting out of that, man? So uh, it sucks for the guys, right? It's never, uh, never any good to have things taken from you like that, but just glad nobody was hurt. That's the only thing, right? Just uh, in those scenarios, take it, leave me alone. I can get yeah. these debit cards replaced and all that other stuff. Right, yeah, it's more of a nuisance than anything for them, probably, and, and very scary at the time. Obviously, yeah. six men mass gunpoint. So this, it, 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 to make a point, this also happened to uh, not the same thing, but Demetric Felton's uh, vehicle was stolen out of his apartment garage this past weekend. Uh, so 
it it would appear they're being targeted, right? Uh, I would think. Um, it smells like it, but right? you so never profession- know. Yeah, professional athletes, Cleveland football players, it, they, you know, if you're out at night, chances are they potentially are going to a strip club, might have some cash on them, right? You know, I don't know. Uh, guys like to flash cast around. They got jewelry on, it, it, you know, whatever. Cutting it six ways, I don't know about that. Six guys with masks. I don't That's know. a lot of guys for that. That's a lot of, of guys for that that job Jeez. agreed but i've seen Perry on winfrey get off blocks i think they would have been i'm just kidding yeah too far no. just kidding no. but like you know i mean obviously you want you don't want this stuff to especially you don't want it to be like uh something that spreads around from players across that's, the league of like don't you don't worry, want to go to cleveland because right? you're not safe right it's the city is targeting pro athletes whatever whatever like that's that's just not a word you want to have out there. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. That that's the worry, right? Is it's like, oh shit, Cleveland. Yeah, all the Browns players are getting held up and robbed everywhere they go. Um, so hopefully, uh, I, the police are on it. Uh, Stefanski talked about it today, so you know that will uh, we will find out more. I'm sure at some point. To your point about the interesting story, to your point about the geolocator and all this stuff, totally off topic here, but hey, we're there. Uh, this fan, Chief Saholic, right? You know this guy? I did hear that story, sticking up a bank. Okay, yeah, so he has been sticking up banks for years, okay? Uh, this guy, to pay for his trips to Chiefs games all over the country and stuff, right? And How do you, maybe someone in the comments can enlighten me. How do you stick up a bank anymore? How do you do that? How do you get away with that? I don't well, understand it. I've heard that like the note method works. So hmm. like you okay. go in and you you hand a note to the teller and say, you know, put everything inside your whatever uh and uh I I have a gun or I have a bomb or something like that and I think they're trained to like give the money up, right? So um in those type of situations i've That's heard a of perfect comment if i knew i wouldn't be here with you <laughs> yeah exactly good point sir good point, uh sir. uh so yeah agreed and um i don't know you've seen the heist movies right you know I mean, if you like, get it kind if, of but what are, are you getting you get, away with it like if you're you saying, get it down to guy, a timing this guy I mean, funded all of his chief's trips that i thought this was a one-off you're telling no, me that, that guy was funding everything he was doing through bank robbery how many banks did he rob brad i a lot i don't know the exact number but i i've heard this story like a year ago on mcafee about this guy being wanted for all these bank robberies right so then he got caught okay and then he jumped bail and now they can't find the guy. They can't Wait, find they him. They can't find him now. No, no. So to your point about the geolocation, all that, he's on the lam. He's been gone for a couple months. They cannot find him. So he has evaded all authorities. What? To this point, so I guess you would say that uh, starting the search probably starts at Chiefs games. Yeah, yeah. Maybe show up <laughs> at a game. Is <laughs> use Patrick Mahomes' bait somehow, like Dan Marino? <laughs> That detective, yeah. I don't know. That's funny. yeah. So uh, uh, maybe show up at a Chiefs game. Yeah, obviously uh, that. But yeah, so it's it's quite a story. 
so yeah, he's my new hero. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you kind of want to root for him a little bit as long as he didn't hurt anybody. Um, you know, it, but uh, this day and age, it's it's hard to go on the lamb, right? With uh, t- yeah. with all the stuff you were talking about, cameras everywhere. You got yeah. I just feel I like mean, I guess maybe you know I've been out to Wyoming. My brother in law lives out there, and it's pretty dang secluded. So okay, I'm sure you can go to uh, some parts of this country that you can hide and be uh, away from the world. But I don't know, man. It just feels like some of these things in this era of like getting away with it seems so hard. It just seems like so much harder than it was, but I don't know. So this is may sound dumb or it might sound smart, but I think the major factor here with chief Saholic being uh, able to jump bail and remain free is the level of give a fuck uh, by the police. Like, do we really want to use all of our technology to go after Chief Saholic? We probably have bigger problems to run down. Like yeah. if we're talking about the Unabomber, yeah, they're getting out like the, you know, the night vision goggles and they're, you know, tracking, you know, the heat uh <laughs> human heat technology and they're searching this guy down. They're going to use every resource they have. But Chief Saholic, eh Low priority. Low priority, probably. But, you know, the the one thing the, the government doesn't like to be is embarrassed. So yeah. well, uh, we'll see. They might they might up the ante now that he skipped bail on figuring out who this guy is. They might lay all the chief's traps they can possibly find. Yeah. Yeah. Found. So. I, I saw the original story. I did not know the guy got away with, uh, you know, got away with it. Is now out on the on the run. He is on the run. Yeah, that was the latest today. So thought that uh, those stories were uh, worth uh, mentioning in our trip around the NFL. Uh, all right, let's take some questions. We've got about well less than 10 minutes left. You guys have some questions. I'm sure I missed something in here. Um, let's take a look here. Uh, so I, I did notice this today in the videos. I'm sure – did you, have you watched all the videos? I'm sure you have, right, Jake, all the social I, I media I try to videos. consume as many as I can, but yeah. might have missed something. Never know. Yeah. Um, I thought Amari looked good. You know, he's coming off of that core injury surgery, and, uh, you know, they were taking it easy with him. But I thought he looked good and pretty explosive for the most part out there. Yeah, he looked like himself, which is encouraging. Yeah. You know. Yes, definitely encouraging. Uh, yeah, here's a question from Broken Arrow. How come Perion was out at 3.30 a.m.? Nothing good happens at 3.30 a.m. <sighs> Nothing good, because even if you're waking up that early, it's not for anything fun. Well, so. if you're a professional football player, nothing good happens when you're three at 3.30 a.m. You know, when you're just a guy who's 22 years old and you know, has like a 1.5 GPA. Lots of fun stuff happens at 3.30 a.m. Trust me, I was there many a night. I spent <laughs> spent lots of time uh, out at that, that time. Uh, so good night things out. can happen. Good things can just happen. Kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, so uh, comment in the chat here. Loving the natural competition between Miles and Zedarius. That was pretty funny to see them going at it. And also uh, Tomlinson and 
Jordan Elliott. So we talked about Camp Darlings. I wrote about it in Things I Think I Know. So I'm telling you now, you know, from what Schwartz said, and already guys are talking about him. I'm not going to refuse to get excited about it, but everybody's saying how great Jordan Elliott looks again for like the third year in a row. So maybe, I mean, do we just, let me ask you this. You're, we, there is a concern about defensive tackle, but at some level, do we just trust that Schwartz will get it figured out? Yeah, there, I mean, I don't know from the, you mean from the defensive line play? Yeah, like, I think they have a, like, he was talking about wanting to be able to rotate eight, nine guys the other day, right? Do they have eight, nine guys they can rotate now? I think they do. I mean, they have guys. How many of them are actually, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there's going to be some into that group there that isn't very effective. So, I mean, listen, put it this way. I I think they need to add more defensive line, not edge. I think they're fine there especially with how they've spent some of their draft picks. But I do think defensive tackle still like deserves attention. And uh, But I also think on the deserves portion of this uh, comment that Jim Schwartz deserves benefit of the doubt. Like I think you can start to question Schwartz in terms of some of his secondary stuff, what he's doing in coverage, and I think that's ultimately what landed him in some issues in Philadelphia. But I don't think you can uh, – I don't think you can question what he's gotten out of his defensive linemen through the years. So, uh, you know, if if they don't address it, I think there's definitely cause to be concerned. I think that's fair. But I think Schwartz is uh, more than deserving of some time to show you whether he can provide enough boost or enough matchup advantages to get some more production out of those guys than we have seen in the past. So I will sort of leave it at that. His resume for inside-the-box play has been pretty stellar. So I'm going to give him a chance to show that he can do what he can with what he has. And if they don't think they have the, the guys after year one, I'm sure they will try to address it with some better uh, roster spots in, in his second year. Hopefully if everything holds, <laughs> you never yeah. really know, but yeah, uh, if everything holds know. in place. Um, But like the, the talk of like Alex, right playing more inside that doesn't like solve any problems for you as far as defensive tackles concerned it's good for alex i think he can expand his body type is good for that he can do it and they'll play like we saw today they'll have zadarius inside too and i think their best unit right now is zadarius and dalvin inside and i don't want that on every down but i think in predictable pass rush downs i think that makes a lot of sense and then uh, mix in from there uh you know on the outside ogbo and Miles Garrett, you have a pretty good foursome there, you know. But again, it's just a matter of can you overuse that in a way where a guy like Zadarius, you don't want him doing that all the time. You don't want him doing that even for 200 snaps, let alone. So, yeah, uh, I would prefer to keep that interior volume low for him because that's a stressful spot, and you're trying to keep a guy as an edge rushing specialist pretty healthy. So, I like I said, I think there's still some roster work to do in there. I hope they're committed to doing that. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, you know, we'll keep our eyes on this D-Hop thing. Uh, last time there was any kind of an update, it was real update. It was when the Browns became the odds-on favorite, and I don't really know what information put them there uh, at DraftKings last week, but I wrote the update when it happened. So I have another one ready to go as soon as we get any kind of update on the D-Hop situation. Uh, Jake, um, what can people expect from you this week at over at the OBR? 
Um, well, we're going to wrap up OTAs as we get them, right? Um, you know, do as much as we can covering that, giving you insights we see surrounding, um, you know, little little pieces of information, right? We'll yeah. try to cover that as best we can and then, um, you know, try to uh, put together some film rooms as we always do from my side. So it's, uh, again, we're trying to look at projections here soon. I'm going to probably do a top 40 AFC North list, top 40 players, see how many the Browns have, right? So trying to get into a little bit of that as well. We should do an AFC North draft again. Remember we did that a couple of years ago? We did. That was fun. That was fun. Well, maybe, we'll, maybe I'll organize that one of these nights. Um, the next the, uh, six weeks are our oyster. We can do whatever we want with them. Yes, nothing they are. Sight. Yeah, nothing in sight. Uh, so, uh, all right. Uh, how have the rookies looked? Has uh, York practiced yet? Yeah, I, I mean, Kate is... Uh, kicking i heard some talk about them you know maybe he's kicking too much or something like that and they're gonna not have him kick as much try to get out of his head a little bit bubba was talking about this at the golf outing uh so boy ventron was hilarious when they asked him about the kickoff rule he is and he, he all these it. special teams oh guys hate God. it i understand because it's like I think that special teams players and coaches can sense the league is taking away from that yeah. role. Yeah. And they know that with that opportunities to coach and play get minimized. So I understand them not wanting it, but I also understand uh, <laughs> whether we want to believe in sort of uh, the ability to perform benevolence or not, or, or do the right things to help safety. Uh, you know, I think special teams is a place you, you know, unfortunately just, it gets the first to go. It's just the first to go if you want to eliminate those things. So, um, you know, that sucks for the coordinators and it sucks for the specialists doing those things, but it feels like that's a place where they feel like they can cut back on some head trauma, which there's other ways that, that they could do it too, but that doesn't involve TV contracts. So, you know, a, there it is. a lot of the, um, the special teams coaches and the people involved with that rule getting, because it, they didn't think it was going to go through this year. It was kind of a surprise that it went through this year and it's a one year trial. Right. But like, it feels like we're headed towards like setting the ball in the 20 and it, that's going to irritate me. Cause how can you watch a football game without a kickoff? Like, are you going to go to the Super Bowl and, and there's not going to be a kickoff to start the game. And that's just not really football. It doesn't feel like, so that's irritating. But the, um, they were like, Listen, we think there's your data is flawed with the head injury stuff. Let's have this conference where all the special teams coaches are going to go get together and we're going to think on like think tank of other ways to, you know, do this besides this rule. And the one guy that helps make if his name is escaping me now, but the one guy that is like the VP of these rules that can basically with Goodell just push him through, who was supposed to go to this thing, never even showed up. So they had all these uh, special teams coaches there thinking on this rule with all these ideas, and the guy that needed to be there didn't show up, and they just pushed the rule through anyway, and I think that really pissed everybody off. So Yeah, there's a lot of hatred toward it, uh, more yeah. than you would expect. If there was something that sort of everybody felt unified on, I think you would see a lot less animosity, but there are players and coaches who are just, <laughs> they are livid with it, and I think to your point, Brad, that scenario you just laid out is a, is a big reason why. Yeah. I heard the VP was at the Cleveland nightclub at 3.30 <laughs> the night before. 
Serge, uh, always good for a good laugh. Hey, thanks, everybody, for watching and listening to All Eyes on Cleveland on the OBR stream over at Twitch and YouTube. Keep it locked with uh, the OBR this week as we continue to cover mandatory minicamp, uh, and we watch Deshaun Watson closely and everything that happens around there. We'll have it all covered for you from A to Z. So thank you so much for watching and listening for the great Jake Burns of the OBR Film Breakdown and the OBR. My name is Brad Ward. This has been All Eyes on